let's read and then we'll pray. So Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He is put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods have lifted up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, Lord, forevermore. Let's pray. God, we thank you for uh, just your word. We thank you for... Um, the blessing of living in a nation like ours, but uh, we also do recognize that while we're in a country that is known for its might and strength, we, we are also in a very temporary uh, kingdom. Your kingdom is eternal. You are everlasting. There's no one mightier, no one grander, no one stronger. And Lord, we thank you for these psalms like these, these, these last psalms of, of 93 through 100, just the, the enthronement songs that celebrate your kingship and remind us of who the true mover of nations is, the true uh, sovereign one over history, over the course of man. And Lord, I pray that today um, we would be reminded, Lord, that our hearts would be strengthened, Lord, that you'd give us a fresh perspective, because we need reminders all the time. It's so easy to be distracted, yet your word remains true. Your word is that which just gets into our hearts and, 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 and exposes our sin, but it also strengthens us and gives us guidance. And so, Lord, we need this word today, and I just pray that uh, you would uh, just open our eyes to see this and continue to use your word to change and transform us. So, God, we thank you for uh, what we're about to go through, and, and may, it, may it just continue to work on our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, like, we're, we're at Fort Sill, and, oh yeah, the kids, if you'd like to leave now, now's the time to go. So, she's way over there yeah, by she, that tree. Right behind, she's teaching the lesson back there to the, oh, she went to that tree. Yeah, she's over there. So, we, obviously, we were at Fort Sill. Uh, we saw Taylor, a quick update. She's, I mean, some of you are on Facebook, you saw the pictures, we'll show you, if you haven't seen them yet, we'll show you afterwards. But she's doing well. And uh, it, it was really a fun time of catching up with our girl. I mean, the first time we saw her on Thursday, you know, Wednesday was an all-day travel day. Oh, my goodness. But then seeing her Thursday, we showed up to the ceremony. It was an outdoor. It was the family day ceremony, so it wasn't as formal. So we show up a little bit, just a tiny bit late, and then we find a place to sit. And then there's a pinning ceremony, so Jake goes up, and he, you know, does her, I don't know, it's pinning. Yeah, yeah pin. It was really cool. That was cool. But still, we haven't talked to her yet. She can't even look at us. And then, right when the ceremony got done, and they marched all back in, they reformed and marched back in, me and Jake are sitting there looking, and where's Mom? Boom! She made a beeline right to Taylor. So, we caught up to him. They were crying and hugging. So, it was really fun to see her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't get Renee's way. She was she was moving. But, uh, so, it was really fun seeing her. We had her uh, for about... 10 until 7.30 on Thursday. She just wanted to go back to the hotel and just talk. She had all these great stories, so many. It's hilarious. 
But one thing she kept saying is that you guys, thank you. So many of you sent letters. She knows that you're praying for it. It really helps. It's a very secular environment. We're not surprised. We know that it is. We knew that going in. Um, but she uh, she needs your prayers. Keep praying for her. You know, and we've got Ian leaving pretty soon. We've got Jake leaving pretty soon. You know, it's the military. So let's pray for these young men that they would, because the, the temptation to conform, because that's what boot camp is about. It's indoctrinating you into the military way of life to break down your old habits and reform new ones. One of the unintentional, maybe it's unintentional, but it's a world system, right? Is, to, is that they are cussing all the time. All the time. Even with parents there, these the drill sergeant just saying just really crass, crude things. I've grown up around it, so it wasn't like, oh, my poor ears, but you're just like, this is what they're being, this is part of the indoctrination, although it might be unintentional, to hear that, and the, and the temptation for the guys, too, will be to just start using that language. That's just one little temptation. And then the things that they joke about, because we heard it, I mean, again, the drill sergeant was leading the way. I mean, we're, you know, 50, you've got middle-aged people there, and there's things have no problem making these sexual jokes and stuff, and just, so the temptation starts that way for these guys, and for Taylor now. So we just pray for them. Pray that they would stand strong and, and that they would not lose their conviction to follow the Lord Jesus. Because they don't have to cuss. They don't have to do dirty jokes to be considered a real Marine or whatever it is. You know. So, But you know, thank you for your prayers for her. I mean, some of the hilarious stories that they had to do. They, we got to see some of it happen where the drill sergeants will just decide to, that she calls them smoking them. Okay, get down! And the drill sergeant's feeling salty, and then they had to do all these push-ups, and then they had to do... Oh, it's hilarious. We had a great time. Hilarious for us. Hilarious for us. <laughs> now y'all gotta go, smoke them some more! <laughs> and so... Okay, here's a little story. One story, and we'll be done. So, we meet Drill Sergeant Rates. He's... So, there's... They're in one big battery, Charlie Battery, and then they're in, in platoons. There's four platoons. Taylor's in first platoon. One of the drill sergeants over first platoon is Reyes. And uh, he's, he's just, he's always mean to the girl. You know, they're, they're trying to break down, break them down and get them to learn how to obey orders and be at places on time. You know, that's military. It's good. It's part of them learning, relearning life almost. But he was especially mean. And, you know, whatever. I, I think it's hilarious. But Renee... <laughs> We meet him after the thing. We, she walks right up to him, and he's talking. Oh, yeah, Taylor. I wanted them to write a one-page thing about why you're in the military. Taylor gives me five pages. He's exaggerating. So he's trying, kind of mocking Taylor. Then here comes Renee. Sassy? Was it Justine? It was Cleo. It was Cleo. Sorry, Sorry Wanda. So, she goes, oh, so you have a hard time reading? Is that what I hear you say? She goes off on him. She's still ticked because she only, instead of getting 15-minute phone calls, the first platoon only got eight or less minute phone calls. So she's ticked. And she's like this. And Taylor's and her friends are like going. <laughs> and so that night, that was Thursday, family day. So that night when they came back in, the whole battalion got smoked. And Drill Sergeant Ray said, this is for Brazil. <laughs> and Taylor's going, it was my mom. It was my mom. Oh my goodness. This is even part of the story. Hey, they all said thank you for saying that for him because they never could. So it worked out. They're like, that's all right. We'll get smoked for saying stuff like that. That's okay. <laughs> oh, Renee. She's totally justifying it. <laughs> we had a good time. 
we had a good time. So it was good seeing her. And she sends her love and thanks for prayers. So she's at Fort Sam Houston now, combat medic training, and she's going to find out the next couple days if she's going to be fast tracked because she's already got her EMT license. But we'll see. So yeah, thanks for prayers. But being there was, you know, being there on a fort like that and seeing again all the. The artillery and the guns, the M16s, you may have seen the pictures, Taylor's all suited up carrying her M16 and a rocket launcher in her back and just seeing the pictures, it's, it's a reminder that there are nations and there are borders to be, you know, guarded and there's, there's nations trying to attack each other and, and it's just, it was just a, a reminder of what's going on, even on the news, you know, we got the whole North Korea thing going on. President Trump and are the, is the summit still on or not? Then we have the things going on. This psalm is a great reminder of despite the turmoil, despite what kingdoms may plan, what man may try to do for evil, who's still in charge? God is. This is one of the great psalms that I think you should all take time to read and meditate on. We're going to look at it this morning. But, you know, we read Romans 8, 28. And we know that God works all things together for good, for those who are called according to his purposes, for those who, are, who love him, right? And then verse 29 tells us he's conforming us to the image of Christ. That's the goal. But this psalm gives us the confidence about Romans 8, 28. Because the reigning sovereign God is the one who is in charge of all things. He doesn't call all things good, but he's working all things together for good to carry out his purposes. But this psalm tells us he is the reigning king who has the power, the might to do that. And this psalm contains his trustworthy love, his covenanting love that he's made with his people to do exactly that. All right. So we're going to walk through the, the outline is pretty simple. That's why I gave it to you. There's the first four verses really focus on he's the sovereign king over creation. He's exalted above it and over it. And yet the last verse talks about he's the sovereign king who's exalted in his word. But you understand that it's not just a word written on a wall. It's his word for his people. It's the word he's given to specifically to his people. Okay? So that's the outline. It's real simple. Uh, verse 1 starts off with the Lord reigns. That's not a statement of fact. In the Hebrew, it's, it's stated in such a way that it is a proclamation. It's a declaration. The Lord reigns! Exclamation point. Okay, and it's in the present tense. He is reigning. He has been reigning. He is reigning. He will reign. And that word sovereign means he's totally in control of all things, everywhere, all the time. And he's carrying out his purposes according to his plan. And especially for his people. Okay? And, and the, that word Lord, I, I put it in your outline, I, I bolded it, and it's in small caps. What is, if you know anything about your English Bibles, what's the Hebrew word behind the Lord in that in this passage? Yahweh. Yahweh. So that's why I'm telling you that, that the whole idea of the covenant keeping, the covenant, uh, the, the love of God for his people, that's behind this statement. We're not just talking about the transcendent king who's reigning. He's our father. Our, our king who's made a covenant with a specific people. We're part of that. Because that word Yahweh, we know that that's meant for us today because why? What did Jesus call himself? He called himself Yahweh. It says before Abraham existed. He says this in John. John 8. He says before Abraham existed, 
I am. He claimed to be Yahweh. So this is about the enthroned Yahweh, Jesus, God in the flesh. So we, this is part, this is a, 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 a song we can incorporate to, for us too. Okay, does that make sense? Okay. So the Lord reigns. That's like the big proclamation for the rest of the song. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. So all kings, the sign of their, of their you know, majestic royalness, right, was to wear kingly clothes. Right? He's robed in majesty. He's majestic. And, and when we see a picture of, of, you know, in Isaiah 6, it says that his robe, the train, the train of his robe, fills the temple. It was so, he's so majestic, his, his throne room can't even contain his, his majesty as seen in his clothing. But well, how is he, how is this clothing held together? What say? He's put on what? Strength. As his belt. He's girded, that means girded with power. So he's not just a puppet king like we have in England. Right? There's a king, there's a queen, there's we watched this the other day, the, the you know the royal wedding. That's a puppet king or royal family. They have no power. This is a king who's girded with strength. His clothes, it means that he is strong, he is powerful over all creation. He is the one who has the strength to carry out the decrees that he makes. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Why bring that up? Well, this talks about creation in, in large. He's the one who has established it. Because it goes on to say, your throne is established, same word, from old. Meaning before creation. He is the king over creation. He existed before creation. He exists way past it. He is the king who has always reigned in power, in majesty, with strength. And again, not the transcendent one who's so far away from us. He's the king who's come near. How? In Jesus Christ. He came near to the, you know, to Abraham. He came near to Noah. He came near to Isaac. Came near to Jacob, appearing to them, and, and he's made himself known as, "Hey, I'm the God." who's the king who wants to be in relationship with you. He's the one who makes covenant with men. And, and when he makes it, he over creation. And, and the fact that he could create, and how did he create? Did he have to take pre-existing material and crush it together and all that? How did he create? He spoke. Ah, light, boom, there it is. Darkness separate, boom, there it is. Hey, sun, you're over there. Moon, you're over there. This is how you'll work. When you, when you look at Genesis 1, you understand, when, when, especially when you start looking at the sun, moon, and the stars, and it says he, he placed, he, in, in Psalm 19, says he placed the bigger light in the lesser light. The language used is because the ancient world worshipped those objects as gods. And it says that the God Yahweh just spoke and told them where to go and they, they obeyed immediately. They do whatever he says. And in this psalm, there's another attack because it's called a polemic. It's called a polemic or an attack against the gods of that time, the ancient Near East. In this one, he's talking about the floods and the waves. What you have to understand is that here is another attack again because who wrote this? King David. So David's about, we'll just say 1000 BC. And so even in this psalm, there's a polemic against the worldview of the time. 
The polemic was that they they believed that there was a big battle in the past by Baal, B-A-A-L, against the god who was in the sea, Yom, and that Baal won. And that's why the seas had to stay where they were and all that. But this is a polemic against them. Because look what he says. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. They're raging against him. The floods have lifted up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. So we've got floods. And by the way, in Israel, when you're you know, driving down by the Dead Sea, you've got all these the Judean cliffs above you. And I'm headed down towards En Gedi with the tour bus. And we're driving along the Dead Sea, which is a you know, thousand feet below sea level. And we're driving and there's these huge cliffs with ravines. And, and Jerusalem's about 20 miles away, but up, it's about a 3,000 elevation difference. And so we're driving, and all of a sudden, the road was kind of washed out a little bit. And I asked, well, is this common? He goes, yeah, it could be raining up in Jerusalem, not even 20, but like 15 miles away. And, and it could be sunny here, but all of a sudden, a flash flood will come through and just roar right through. As a matter of fact, Oh, the week before we were there, this is my first trip, they said that three people had died from a flash flood. They had no warning because it was totally sunny, but up in Jerusalem it had rained. And these, these just, these, it's just a huge drop in elevation and these narrow, narrow ravines. Flash floods out of nowhere. So when he says the floods are roaring, they're lifting up their voice. It's, he's using an illustration. These floods that can kill are roaring against God. And it says, the mighty thunders of the waters, the waves of the sea. And he's saying, the picture here is that God is high above. They don't even, he's unflappable. He's untouchable by whatever you might, this, the ancient world, whatever they might have worshipped, he's defeated. Baal is nothing. Yom is nothing. They don't even touch his throne. So high and exalted is he. So what are the things in our world that threaten to overwhelm us that we think are scary. You know, it could be a trial in life. You know, we're facing cancer. You know, it could be a loss of a job. It could be a change. You could lose your house. There's all sorts of the loss of a child, right? We hear about potential war with North Korea or, you know, just also anything. There's all these things that could be raging in our lives. But what does this psalm tell us? God's not touched by any of that. So where are you going to put your where are you going to put your security? It's got to be with God. He's got to be with God. He's the one who's high above. He's the one who's in control. He's the one. That word doesn't say he is the Lord. The Lord on high is is mightier. It says the Lord on high is what? Mighty. End the story. He's not just a little above. He's way above. So he's the one who's exalted over creation. The, the world can rage against God, but he's untouchable. He's unflappable. He's undefeatable. He is the mighty one. And it's a call to us to trust him. Trust him. The last verse says this. He switches because he's been talking about the Lord, and now he switches. He says, your decrees are very trustworthy. So he's, he's, he's talking to God. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. So he switched degrees. So where's if you're in, if you're a Jew hearing this, when it says that your house, what is it, what is it, what's, what, what's supposed to come to your mind? The temple. So the temple 
was the one place that God told the Jews, say, if you're going to worship me, it has to be here. The kingdoms of the world, the, the, all of, they all have their different temples and all that. There's only one place, not in any hillside you want, but this one place, Mount Zion, the same place, well, actually Mount Moriah, where Abraham had brought Isaac. He had brought him to that very place, and God said, don't kill him, and he provided the substitute ram in his place. That, that happened right there in Mount Moriah. That's the place that the temple was built. And it says, holiness befits your house. Because God is holy. What does holy mean? Yeah, without, so totally, that's one picture, that one part of the picture of holy is totally pure and shining and bright, no blemish. But it also means other. It means absolutely unique. There is... Because remember, back then, there's gods everywhere. And God was holy, 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 according to the Bible. He is absolutely and utterly and totally unique. Yet, he said, I'm going to dwell amongst my people where? Well, while they were in the wilderness wanderings with, the, with Moses, it was in the tabernacle. He moved with his people, the holy God. And then it was that temple. Come. He wanted people to come to, to Israel. He wanted Israel be, to be a light to the nations, he said, so they could come and know the holy, holy God there at the temple. That's why Jesus got so ticked. Because on the temple mount, the outer court on the temple mount was called the court of the Gentiles, meaning he wanted the nations to be able to come, to be able to pray and know the God of Israel. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And yet, what had the Pharisees and Sadducees done during the time of Jesus to that outer court? Turned it into what? A marketplace, a den of thieves. They weren't supposed to sell up there. That was supposed to be just a pure place of worship. So, Israel, at their very sight of where they were supposed to have the nations come to know Yahweh, they had shut that off to the Gentiles. They had so corrupted it with greed and avarice. So that's why he cleared the temple twice, once at the beginning of his ministry and once at the end. God's holiness, God's holiness is befitting. It's, it's fitting for that house. But that's also a call for us as his covenant people to be holy. It says here that his decrees are trustworthy. Okay, so when a king gives a decree and you're one of his subjects, what are you supposed to do? Obey, right? So if you don't like it, and he's a mean ruler, after a while you might try to do what? Maybe revolt or something? Now, when it's the king of the universe, no one mightier, no one stronger, what options do you have? Zero. If you rebel, what is going to be your end? Destruction, you know, right? But here's the deal. What's, what's the name of the Lord all the way through this passage? I told you already. Yahweh. Behind that, don't forget... Is not the transcendent one who does not come close to you. He's the Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. Meaning when he makes decrees, it's for our best. He wants the best for his people. Hey, don't be an alcoholic. Is that a bad thing? Is that an evil thing that he wants for us? No, don't be getting over to drunkness. What does alcohol drinking too much do to you? Ruins you. It'll kill you eventually. What does it do to the people around you? could ruin them, hurt them in some way. You say stupid stuff. You lose control. That's just one little sample, right? His ways 
ways are best. His decrees are trustworthy. Because he's the Yahweh that loves you and cares for you. That's what he's saying here. The God who's come near cares for his people. You can trust him. And he is the Lord forevermore. Always and forever. So, and we know this, we this these these you know these are kind words, but but how do we know God cares for us? You guys heard the thing called the cross? God become man and he endured suffering. He endured rejection. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. He came to save, to seek and save the lost. He came to die as a ransom, to be the propitiation. I was just listening to, uh, I have audible books, and there's a new book called The Gospel of God by MacArthur. It's all about Isaiah 53, which we just went over on Easter, right? We walked right through Isaiah 53. And I was just reminded what a rich song, or rich uh, prophecy about Jesus coming. He, he did all this for us. He is God in the flesh, worshipped from eternity past, will be worshipped in eternity future, and yet he came out of love to die for us. So, do you trust Yahweh to be your God? To be the God who will carry you forward through the thick and thin? We, yes, I can look at every one of you and I can say there's more trials coming in your life. There are. We're, we're in cancer right now, but something else is going to happen in the future. That's just good. In the Brazil's life, each one of us, we're looking. There's more tragedies to come, not to be somber. But the question is, do you want the good shepherd leading you through that time? Or do you want to face it on your own? Don't face it on your own. I'm going to answer that question for you. <laughs> Don't. Don't. And, and, and one of the blessings we have, we have the word of God that gives us guidance. We have the indwelling spirit. We also have something else that God gives us, people of God. You know, we were talking to Linda Dell yesterday about what we're facing. We're going through a lot of changes right now, me and Renee. But you know what? One of the blessings is you. You are a blessing. This is one of the blessings of Yahweh who rules is the people of God he puts together so we can help each other, love each other, right? Yeah, you have to put up with dumb jokes, but that's all right. We love each other. And that's, that's one of the things that, that I, I hope that this psalm, you just see that, that this is filled out because we have Jesus Christ who came, who is the reigning Lord. He is reigning now at the right hand of God, but he is going to reign physically on earth one day. So who's your king? Yahweh. Amen, right? Let's pray. And uh, is that it for one more song? Udamas. Okay, let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, your word. Thank you for your love for us. My goodness, we do not deserve the king of the universe to, to uh, put up with us in our rebellious ways. And we can be such brats. Even, even your children, us Christians, we just, I struggle with obeying you because I want what I want, when I want it, how I want it. And yet you show mercy and compassion and patience with me every day. Lord, so I thank you for that. I thank you that you're in charge of history. That you're in charge of, of how things play out. I thank you that though uh, the nations rage against you, you can't be touched. I thank you that that even when, when crises happen in our lives, that it feels so overwhelming. But God, we can be reminded through your word, through your indwelling spirit, through prayer, and through your people that you are the good shepherd who walks ahead of us, who walks with us, who walks behind us. 
And Lord, I just thank you for that. You are good. You are so good, God. Thank you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.